0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 20 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. Been a little under the weather the last couple of days, so my brain might be a little bit muddy. But uh, I'm grateful to have someone I've been you know, following for a long time, but I haven't had a lot of an opportunity to engage with directly, and that's Nick Shaw. And he's one of the co-founders of Renaissance Periodization. Now, you should be familiar with Renaissance Periodization. Mike Isertel, his partner, and a lot of the other team, I've had a lot of his people on the podcast. I share a lot of their stuff on social media. And they don't pay me for this, but they're one of the brands that I most ardently believe is is one of the greatest sources of evidence based information in our space, and uh, and a brand that I openly promote uh, because I believe in it. So, uh, meanwhile, it's great to have you on, Nick. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks
1: so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> You're uh, you've got sort of an understated presence, especially when you compare it to your partner Mike. Um, yeah you like sort of sitting into the background a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's really funny, I guess, because, you know, I've been on some podcasts of, that have had Mike on before, too, and they're always just like, well, you guys kind of sound similar. Uh, I like to, the best way to describe it is, you know, Mike is more of the, uh, I'm the yin to his yang, or vice versa, however you want to say that, so, you know, he tends to get, you know, really fired up at times, and, you know, go on some rants and all that good stuff on uh, on podcast, And, uh, you know, that's great. A lot of it is really good stuff. Uh, sometimes I'll just have to remind them to, to rein it back in a little bit. But uh, for the most part, yeah, it, he's good, man. So sometimes people, you know, I almost feel bad. I'm like, man, I'm, I think I'm going to be boring. It's like a guess, but uh, that's how it goes. It's fine. I, lo- I love Mike, man. Uh, I've known him for, I don't know, 13, 14 years now, something like that. So it's been a while.
0: It's really obvious that, you know, you guys as a community are all pretty good friends. And I think, you know, that's part of what seems to make uh, Renaissance periodization work so well. I've actually had a number of guests who, like Mike, are very outgoing, um, entertaining, funny, you know, certainly well-spoken. But then I've had a, I have a number of regular guests. Uh, Pete Dupuy of Christy Sports Forum is a great example. You know, incredibly intelligent, well-spoken, but soft-spoken. And mm-hmm. he, you tend to just sort of sit back and hang on everything he says, or has they just had John Russon on? And, you know, one of the things I talked with Russon about is the fact that he's absolutely fearless and aggressive in his own, you know, self-promotion, right? He, meanwhile, he's big on boosting his team that he's got. So, you know, you get a t- all kinds of different personalities on air. And honestly, as long as someone has cool shit to say, everybody's worth listening to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always kind of just been, especially when it comes to the fitness space, all of our coaches are phds or registered dietitians you know whatever like hey they're the experts and it's kind of funny because I, I won't really see myself as one and so you know people come to me i'm like well go ask one of our coaches like they can you know probably go a little bit more in depth uh, yeah obviously i have a pretty good understanding of things but that, that's just kind of how I'm, how i have always been right and i and i like to joke that uh what's what's the exact saying something along the lines of if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room I'm like I've never really had to worry about that you know because we, we have this awesome team but uh yeah I guess you know more recently uh, the the cool thing is you know we've always been able to help a lot of people in health and fitness you know nutrition training recovery even you know Dr. James but uh how we didn't have a lot of things that stepped outside of space a little bit. And so I think that's a cool thing about the, the book that I've done. And I, so I've kind of had to step up a little bit more of the personal promotional side of things, which I haven't, you know, ironically, I would use my own social media account the least. You know, I was always more concerned about, you know, our other two accounts, RP Strength and, and the RP Transformations one. So I'm having to kind of flip that switch a little bit uh, in 2020.
0: Cool. And I wanted to talk to you about your book. So it was recently published, Fit for Success. I just started on a copy and it Starts out with inter- some interesting stuff. It's, you know it's got a forward, uh, both your wife and what's gone on with your wife this year, and then uh, Bob Harper, you know, who's uh, you know longtime you know celebrity trainer personality, and you know, his uh, you know fairly high-profile major heart attack, and recovering from it. But I did not realize until I read that that Bob was a client of yours both before and after that incident. So you, know, you yourself too have coaching experience, a lot of it.
1: Yeah, so that's a really, it just goes to show the importance of genetics when it comes to some of that stuff. Because Bob Harper was in the best shape of his life. I had helped him go from like 200 down to 185. He jacked six pack. He was training CrossFit all the time. Just He loved training really hard. And he's like, you know, fairly young, relatively speaking. He's like 50 or so when this happened. And, you know, it came as a shock because, you know, we had – I'd help him get in shape and we'd stay in touch a little bit here and there. But you know, when he had the heart attack, three, six months after or whatever, he got done, you know, finishing his diet phase. And I read that. I'm just like, what? That can't be right. Like there's no way that's him. And so yeah, lo and behold, it was him. So I finally got in touch with him. I'm just like, dude, what happened? And yeah, it's just he's got a family history of it, which is just really unfortunate. And even despite being in the best shape of his life, it still happened so yeah he had to really ease back into things after and i actually had uh, dr spencer help a little bit because that's kind of right up his area of expertise too and so we were able to help him get you know back into decent shape and all that and just, he's been a good 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 friend that i'd stay in touch with and you know he's number one new york times you know, bestseller from from back in the day with, with some of his books and been on tv so it's just really cool and it's just really interesting how that all works because you would never expect someone that literally lives and breathes fitness for a living, that something like a heart attack happened, right? And a very serious heart attack at that. So it's just really, really wild. It really goes to show genetics.
0: Well, it, I mean, I can't say this with certainty, but I mean, you said in the book that he had a, or his own words were that he had a widowmaker heart attack that only about 10% of people survive. And, you know, could his dedication to his fitness played a major role in the fact that he survived a heart attack that kills most people?
1: It would seem to make sense, right? If you you have someone that's not in good shape, yeah, very well could have just, that could have been it. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I I have no idea either, but it certainly seems pretty legitimate that that could have been the case for sure.
0: Yeah, well, let's dive deeper into the book because I mean, literally one of the first things you write in there is, it says it is my goal to help more than a million people around the world through my company. And you're an industry leader in both evidence-based coaching and education. Uh, So, A, you got to be approaching this goal. But also, where did this realization initially come from? Where did this ambition come from to build RP up into what it is and to scale beyond just the people you could personally coach one-on-one?
1: Yeah, well, man, there's a lot to unpack there. I suppose we'll try to do the, the quick version. So if we go back in time, I just always have loved fitness. Fitness has just always been part of who I am, what I do. And a big part of that is just the idea of in fitness, you never reach sort of like the end point, right? There's always more to strive for. There's always something to do to get better. And I love that idea. I love the idea of self-improvement and always getting better. And so I've always kind of had that mindset going back to high school. And then you know, I met Dr. Mike in college. He convinced me to do powerlifting. That's when I really got into it. I was like, yes, this, this fits me perfectly. This is what I want to do. That's kind of how RP got started in the first place. We started training together, became trainers in uh, New York City after graduating college. And he went back to get his PhD. I stayed, was, was training people in person. Uh, I was like, hey, we should do this online because he was already doing it. Uh, no one knew his stuff better than I did at the time. And so I started doing it and it kind of snowballed from there. And again, this was pretty early on in the social media days when. Facebook was actually a decent place to to be and now not so much and Instagram was barely there so that's really how RP got started and I think it just ties in perfectly the you know fitness evidence-based approach and the idea of self-improvement always getting better because even if you look at you know our, our flagship product the RP Diet app it's like the same idea applies right so you're always getting better you're always putting in updates you're always improving the app and it's like you look at fitness, you look at the app, you know, you look at all the stuff It just all these principles tend to apply. And that was kind of this like light bulb moment I had earlier this year. I kind of had some rough ideas of, you know, hey, like successful people do these number of things. And then I thought, well, I should put this in a pyramid, just like we do at RP, like we have everything else. The nutrition pyramid, recovery pyramid, training pyramid. It's like, I think there's something here to this. And so a little more backstory too. So uh, in, the, in the preface of the book, you know, my wife, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in January this year before COVID. So she had that, she had surgery, she had some complications from the surgery. She was in the hospital for like a week. So we, we dealt with all this before COVID, before quarantine hit. And, uh, you know, she started chemo after the first round, then COVID hit shelter in place, all this stuff. It was just you almost had to laugh because you're just like, I can't believe how much stuff is going wrong in the first three months of the year. And it would have been really easy to, to just go down that negative spiral, of just like, oh, woe is me, all this bad stuff is happening. This is just really bad, bad luck, whatever. And I just kind of really had to take some of these principles that you know, I'd already been thinking about and all that, but I really had to put them into practice. Like there's so much going on. Everything can seem so overwhelming. I got to really be dedicated, disciplined to these principles that make people successful because that's how you overcome. You know, it's how you do better in business. It's how you do better in fitness or in sports or overcoming adversity and, and disease Like all these things. And that was a light. that was a white ball ball for me. I'm like, I think now given 2020, everything that's happened, so many people have been negatively impacted. There's something, there's a really powerful message here in this book. And that's why I really wanted to get it out before the end
0: it, you know, I've only gotten into a little bit of it so far, um, but it, I already get the sense that it's a little bit of Ryan Holiday's "The Obstacle Is the Way" meets you know, "Man's Search for Meaning." You know, Viktor Frankl's real classic. That that's an intense book, but the fundamental idea is the same, right? It's like you choosing your attitude and your behaviors in the face of events totally beyond your control. Um, and I mean that's what this year's been. I've plugged in with a lot of fitness professionals and my year, you know, despite the initial lockdown, all the crap that happened, you know after a very brief period of okay, just binging TV, whatever it's like, screw this, I'm gonna put a lot of effort into this year and row on top of the good things that happened the last couple of years with published articles in this podcast. And I managed to blow up my social media a lot this year. Um, and do a lot more writing, uh, jumped into a lot more educational type stuff and otherwise had a really good brand growth career year where on the other side of all this stuff as we get into you know the middle of next year and things open back up again, you know, I put myself in a, in a better position. And a lot of other people I know have done the same thing versus the people who just said, ah, fuck it, this sucks. And they just put their heads down and tried to ride it out, right? Look at all the gym owners who've had to pivot, restaurant owners, you name it, who've had to pivot and do whatever the hell they had to do to stay alive through all this stuff. How many people went online into the online space? So your book seems to just hit the nail on on the head with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, so both of those books are quoted and referenced in my book and you nailed it. Again, you have two choices when something bad happens and you can play the victim card and you can say, oh, woe is me. There's nothing I can do. You know, you can be helpless. I don't like that. I think that's a terrible approach. No, I I don't agree with it. No, I can respond to whatever's happening. I can find the silver linings. I can stay more positive. I can sort of focus on the things that I do have. And that's a good foundation to build from, right? Like that's kind of one of the pillars, positive mindset, being more grateful. You know, you... Again, something like this happens with my wife. You just become grateful that you know, hey, we can still sit down and have family dinners. Like I have two small kids. Um, that was actually another thing too, because they were being homeschooled, and uh, you know, somehow my wife was able to you know, help do that all through chemo, and I would you know, help a little bit here and there. But it was, it was really sick. She was, I don't know how she did it. She's she awesome. So yeah, you, you have two choices. And again, where does that negative downward spiral get you? It gets you nowhere, right? Like, why did you want to do that? You said it perfectly the people that are successful, right? And this, this is like a universal trait. They have that internal locus of control. They're not gonna focus on the things they don't have control over because that gets you nowhere. Literally nothing good comes from that. So again, if something bad happens, okay. You kind of react and you think, what can I do now? I can't control it. I'm not really gonna worry about it, but what can I do now, right? So my gym's closed. Okay, well, that's bad, you could say especially if you're the owner of the gym, you know, even if you are just training there, okay, now what can I do? Can I train at home? Can I go outside and walk? Can I still do some sort of physical exercise? Can I control my nutrition? So a lot of people, this is really interesting. It was kind of this weird split. A lot of people were like, oh, don't worry about your nutrition at all. Like there's so much bad stuff happening. Okay, I get it. I'm not gonna gonna judge people, of course. At the same time, that is the one thing that you can absolutely control all the time. If you want, right? You can always control what you're eating. And again, for a lot of people, taking some of that control back and having something you kind of stand on it. Yes, no, I don't care what's going on. All this bad shit's happening. I can still do this. Gives people confidence. They start taking more action. What happens when you get confidence? Again, momentum builds. That's just what happens. And so it's just like for me, I was like, well, why would you want to just throw in the towel? Away? You, know, you still can't control this stuff, and I mean. Hell, you can work out from home if you really want. Yeah, you might not have fancy equipment, but like you can still do stuff. And so that's what successful people do. They find a way. They just, they find a way. That's
0: it. Yeah, it's funny. I'm laughing because what you said about controlling your nutrition when you can't have access to the gym is literally the post I put up yesterday on my Instagram. And, uh, you know, it got shared over 100 times because it, it seemed to have hit a nerve of people. So, yeah, like, what, what's the first thing that tends to go when people get away from the workout habit? Nutrition tanks, right? Mm-hmm. So, and something weird that I've observed, and I think there's a relationship here, the clients that I've worked with who've had the best long-term major weight loss success were clients that actually had the nutrition in check before they started resistance training. And we know that resistance training tends to motivate better nutrition, but the ones that really had the nutrition down first tended to be more resilient, no matter what, kind of consistency was going on the resistance training. So we know there's something there. That seems to make
1: sense. They're probably, you know, a bit more organized or they, they probably have a better environment around them, right? So if they're already doing better on their nutrition. Because here's the thing, there's a lot of people that don't really set themselves up to even have a chance to be successful because their environment's just really bad. Like, I like to consider myself someone that has a good amount of willpower and discipline. That being said, like if there's golden double stuff Oreos in the house, forget about it. It's nice, it's not even it's not even a thing. Now again, like and I've competed in bodybuilding, I've done the hardcore stuff before, like, yeah, I, I could have done it back then, but you know, now I'm not really training for that, you know. So it's just like, uh, but if that stuff's around, I tell my wife, I'm mean, just don't get it, right? if it's not there, boom. So, and that's actually another thing, too. And I'm sure you hear about this all the time with, with your own clients and stuff, but the clients that seem seemingly have the best discipline or willpower. They use it the least, and that's not that's not a coincidence. It's because they set themselves up to have better habits and they have better environments and they can do all these things, so you just start looking at different things like that. and it starts, It's just really cool to see. You know, hey, what do the successful people do? And on the flip side of that, what do the unsuccessful people do? And if the inverse applies for both, you're probably on the right track. So uh, in, our, in the diet, in the RP Diet Coach app, we we're able to collect a bunch of data from like 10,000 completed diets. Really cool. It's really it's a pretty big data set. And we're able to see like what were the things that successful people did. They had the most success with their diet. And so, you know, one of them is uh, they don't set crazy aggressive goals, right? Like they, they can still be, you know, tough goals to achieve. But on the flip side, we also looked at a bunch of failed diets. What, what were the people that failed at their diets? What were they doing? Well, they were setting the really long and aggressive goals. So, you can set aggressive goals, but it's probably something you want to do in the shorter term. And hopefully you're a little bit more advanced. But like the people that fail, well, they set these crazy goals that are going to be really, really hard to achieve. They get into it, right? What happens a couple of weeks in, yeah, maybe the first week or two, they're really you know, pumped up and they do well. And that's just like, you hit that point where it's like, wow, I can't believe how hard this is actually going to be. What happens? You get discouraged, you fall off, you know, then who knows? You probably don't even keep going. You fall Back worse than, than where you started and it's just uh it's, it's really something
0: there's a couple of things embedded in all that and you know you didn't quite say it but it was it was there. Is these people are focused on an outcome versus the daily regular meeting mm. right so they've got they've got the wrong thing in their focus if you take a look at what's in your immediate control on a daily basis you know you can successfully nail that down if all you got fixated on is that long-term weight loss goal there's nothing you can do to will that into happening on the time frame you want it to be um, and like you said, they're more likely to fall off track. Something that I found in my experience when it comes to willpower is you can almost bypass willpower if the decisions that you need to make or try to make are aligned with your identity, who you see yourself to be. Mm-hmm. I've worked with a number of police applicants over the years, and I noticed a very strong trend, and this is sort of where I, you know, most, this coalesced for me. There were two types. One group, were already living the active lifestyle that they imagined a, a police officer would live. And we're not talking about the stereotypical stuff from the old movies and donuts and whatnot, but you know, in order to be able to pass these this physical and be active. And those ones tended to crush the physical, right? They're already doing it. And there was a second tier that were nowhere near in the same shape. And they had this attitude, well, once I get in, I will then behave in this lifestyle this way. And they never did. They never passed the physicals. They never stuck with it. And when things got a little difficult, their willpower couldn't sustain them through the tough stuff. So I think if you really want to achieve something, if you can see and mold the identity, this I, I like to use the term aspirational identity. So that way, when it gets a little tough, then you can look at it and go, this is part of who I am. I am someone who works out virtually every day. I am someone who is responsible with my nutrition and then you don't have to rely on willpower as much
1: yeah i think you're absolutely right and something i kind of i actually used this on my daughter so my kids just went back to school recently and my daughter because they hadn't been at school since like march and yeah, i live in north carolina so they could have been going but because given my wife's health conditions and stuff like we chose to keep them home for for a while until we were kind of at the point where we felt comfortable enough with it. And we know some people, whatever. But uh, my daughter was really nervous. Uh, she was like, well, I'm not going to know anybody. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time making friends. She's six, right? She's, she's six and a half, let's call it. And so what I did is I would tell because I know she's a super friendly, super caring person. Like I just know this. that's just who she is. So I, I told her, I was like, you're the type of person that makes friends really easy. And I kept repeating that because right? I wanted to instill it in her head that like she would have that self-belief and confidence that she would know it and I think that's just what you were saying because if you believe that is like who you are yeah I mean like you said it's just you don't even think about it it's just like' you're, oh yeah like I'm that type of person so you start training you start watching what you eat all of a sudden you gain that success that early success you gain some confidence you get some momentum and you're like yeah yeah I'm the type of person that does healthy stuff yeah that's awesome like yeah I'm a- I'm a badass, right? Like you kind of start thinking that, and that's really cool. And like you want that, just like you said, because you, and again, like you don't have to start with these crazy big things, but you just start with little things, build those habits, gain that confidence, momentum, and then naturally it's gonna kind of build on itself. And yeah, I think you mentioned this earlier a little bit, but like if you start with lifting, all right, that's a fine place to start. But like you start lifting, you feel pretty good. You almost as a natural byproduct, you'll want to start eating a little bit healthier too. Cause it's just it just makes sense. The two just go together so well. So, I mean, not in woods. So they just finished the first week uh, this week, and she she loves it. Like they're so happy to be back in school. And she's she comes home every day. She's like, Dad, I you know, I made I made new friends today. I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to pat myself on the back just a little bit. But, and you nailed know, it. If you can convince people that it's part of who they are, just, things become a lot easier.
0: And I think this goes into another realm, too, further than just you know, success. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at your community of coaches and RP. I mean, look at Mike. I mean, God, what did he just win a whole bunch of categories in his bodybuilding show? Right? You've had extensive uh, experience in both uh, bodybuilding and powerlifting. Uh, James right. competes. Melissa is... I, I know she's really on on. martial arts. But Gabby is, I think, has done aesthetic and powerlifting stuff. And Derek, when we were talking to him. He's what, the smallest man to ever squat a thousand pounds. And mm-hmm. he's, yeah, I know, right? So I know that fitness permeates your community along with high-level academic achievement. So if you look at the success in the people in our industry are successful. Fuck it, Spencer Nodolsky, right? He's shredded. I firmly believe there's a very strong relationship between the habit of fitness, being strong and developing these dedicated habits that also translates into career pursuit. Right. I think there's a massive relationship there. Oh yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. So I think there's maybe a couple of things to unpack there. It was
1: like one, we kind of sought out people that could walk the walk and talk the talk. Like when we started RP, like that was really the idea, you know, Mike was getting his PhD and, you know, he was around other people like that. So it wasn't super hard to, to find folks like that, which is really cool. Cause it's pretty uncommon, I would say for someone to be like a competitive athlete and have a PhD, especially back then. Now it's maybe slightly more common, which is really cool to see. So yeah. And, and when you have that, when you have go-getters, when you have people that live and breathe it, right. Because they want to know more so they can improve their own ability as, as well as their you know, clients that's a really cool thing, right? Very, very good. They're going to do better. And then because they're go-getters, right? Because they have a PhD, because they're go-getters in fitness and sports.
0: Well, you can be
1: pretty sure, I can't be hundred percent, but you can give these people a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom because they are go-getters. You don't have to micromanage these people because there's a reason if you're going to be successful, you probably don't need someone standing over your shoulder all day. Whereas, you know, if you're going with people that maybe aren't into fitness and you know, I haven't really gone to school because all these things require discipline and hard work and, you know, grit to kind of get through it all over the years. Like, these are all good, positive traits you want to seek out and, and folks that are going to work for you or work with you. And I, I Like you said, I, I think there's no, well, there's a reason, right, that they go together. It kind of makes sense.
0: Something I occasionally will do with a specific guest to point out the audience. I hope everybody notices the way that, you know, Nick, you use certain language but you have repeatedly now made note of something that i have said versus so you you're drawing it back to me and that's a sort of a humble and engaging quality so when i notice certain guests have things like that i like for the listeners to pick up on them a little bit because they're they're really positive traits uh dr jade Tata who again highly educated um he's really someone that i like people listening to in uh, when he's on uh, the podcast because he just really makes it about the other person in any exchange and he's inherently likable and I'm sure that translates into a lot of success so I have little doubt that that particular trait is a big reason why your team and your organization has thrived because you know I I think you guys are you know PN is another big monster in in our space uh but you guys are one of the big dogs and it's funny um I just had John Russon on another highly educated guy and we were talking about the future of education in in this space and I just recently uh, finished a book called Post-Corona by Scott Galloway and he's talking about the future of post-secondary education institutions and how a lot of them are going to be ripe for disruption because of the way that they're costing and scaling. And it got me thinking, and I don't know if you guys ever thought of this and maybe you want no part of it, but you're a major educator. And I think that the future of a lot of the formal education that our trainers are going to get is going to drift more and more and more into the stuff that your organization is doing, PM is doing, uh, John Russell is doing with PPSC. So, could you guys ever go down a road to the point where you decide, hey, we could grow this into something that's actually like accredited? Because you literally, like, Mike worked as a professor at Temple University for a while. So could there plausibly be something like that in the future? Or even not going that far, do you guys still want to, how far do you want to take the, the educational influence of renaissance periodization?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Uh, I'm not really sure on the uh, accredited part. Uh, think we will see a lot more virtual stuff. I think that's a pretty good prediction, especially after now, because I think so many people were hesitant before 2020, like, no, our company or the way we do things, we can't do it online. Well, that was wrong because you could very quickly pivot and, and do things if you really need to. Um, you know, funny story, my wife worked at a big law firm in New York City and she's still really good friends with, with a lady that works there and, I mean, they're talking about most people aren't going to be back in the office until probably like next fall, end of summer, something like that. And this is something where they would like joke about it before they're like, we're wasting all this money on this, like prime real estate in New York city, like the most expensive in the entire world. Why don't we have more people working remotely and everyone just kind of poo the idea because like, no, because it's you're, you're battling the status quo and such established traditions, but now people were forced to pivot, forced to do things. So I think definitely we're going to see a lot more online and virtual stuff. And I think most colleges are going to start doing that too. Like, I don't know, I would be, I would be nervous if I was in, you know, commercial real estate and or, you know, real estate in, in, in colleges in college towns and stuff, because you might just, yeah, okay. Maybe a little less college because kids like to get together and party and all that. Like there's probably a, a lot to that. And, and I'm sure there's even a lot to the social component because, I mean, we've always worked remotely at RP. We've always been remote. But even then, you know, it's good, right? Because we weren't really impacted this year. But at the same time, like there definitely is value in getting together with people face to face, seeing them, interacting them. Um, and, you know, like I would like to do that, you know, once a year, kind of meet up with a bunch of people. Like, hey, I mean, look at that this year. You know, it's, it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, 2021, we'll get back to some of that. So, man, that's a really long-winded way to not really answer your question, but uh, <laughs> I do think uh, it could be really cool. I don't really know what's in store, but uh, we like educating people. We like helping people. Um, man, we just have so much free content on YouTube, like people can go there and just watch for days. And, you know, here's the cool part, you know, some people would think like, oh, you're giving away too much free information. Like, that actually is the exact opposite thing that tends to happen because you get people in and they like it. and they're like, wow, they're like, this is really great stuff. Like, these guys are really awesome. Like, you know, people love Doctor Mike because of that. It's got so many free YouTube videos, and you know, one, like, YouTube is becoming a, a real good place for this stuff because like you can actually make a little bit of money out there for, from ads and stuff. But like, two, you then get people there. It's like, wow, like I, I love these people, and then you know, when you do have something that comes out, they're like, oh, like, yeah, like hell yeah, to we'll go support those guys because you know they have uh, 100 hours of free content that you know, they've been giving to me like, yeah, I want to return the favor. So it is pretty cool to see. I really like the idea of uh, education.
0: Well, and just to further that, right, like when you guys have a book that comes out, I mean, of your uh, stuff, a uh, recovery book that James Hoffman led is my favorite of them just because a it's, it's world class, amazing, but there's nothing else out there like it. Right. Uh, you know, Renaissance Diet 2.0 is fantastic. And then the other materials, they're all great. They're fundamentally amazing. But the recovery book to me is the one that stands out that I honestly tell people, hey, listen, you guys have to go do this one because this shit just isn't organized in that form anywhere else, right? You could go and do Eric Helms, you know, muscle and strength pyramids. And it's gonna give you a lot of the same sort of stuff as the strength ones. And that's not the poo-poo that one at all. It's just to say, this is something that there's, there's great information out there by really well-educated people. You know, talk about educators and, you know, athletes Eric Helms is another fantastic example of this. But uh, I, I I push it all, but especially I like to point out the recovery book. So I hope if anybody listening, you know, they dive into your book right now. If you don't Fit for Success, which I still want to talk about a bit more. But also, just go check out the recovery book. It's just good. It uh, breaks down some of the myths on just how good like heat and cold rec- therapy recovery modalities are. They're they're definitely not magical stuff. So they get oversold in the popular media and on social media when celebrities use them. Misunderstanding.
1: Yeah, totally. There, there's not really, I, I don't really know of any books that really cover recovery. I just, I don't really know of any. Um, it's actually probably a pretty good sign. So uh, my book was kind of our first experience with selling on Amazon, being card cover, being paperback. But we, we did a little bit with RP Diet 2.0 um, you know, through a publisher. But uh, yeah, it seems like this could be a cool avenue. I think a lot of people like reading something tangible in their hands versus eBooks, you know, a little bit of a difference. And I actually tend to agree with that. Like I only really read books in my hand. Like I just, I don't know, I probably get too distracted from reading digitally. I just can't really do it. So yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, the recovery book should be, it could be, I think a really great resource on a place like Amazon because there's not really anything else like it out there. So it could do really well. It's actually on Audible. I think, it, I know, I think it's on Audible. I think it does pretty well on Audible.
0: I think that. Yeah. yeah. I know some of the other books are. I do either physical in hand books or audio. So I really got to want to read something if I'm doing it in an electronic form. There's a few that I've done, but, uh, and your guys stuff is, is amongst that. So with, with for success, why did you write it? Why was this so important to go off in a slightly different direction from you know, the stuff that your team has, is usually writing?
1: Yeah. So two things. So we go back to, 2020 just been a shitty year for everyone so i think a lot of people just need something like this and easy to digest look at what are the things that i need to do to get back on track to overcome adversity and obstacles like what do i need to do to become successful and sort of get over this 2020 hump and so that's why i was really passionate about making sure that it came out before the end of the year so it just came out in november you know right right around black friday or whatever and um so i mean super happy with the feedback so far we're like People seem to really like it. You know, here's the other thing. Like, I didn't want it to be kind of, and I don't mean this as a negative against other art books because a lot of people like reading that stuff, but I didn't want it to be something like super long and, you know, tons of citations. Like, no, like it's meant to be a very simple and easy to read book because for the most part, that's what people want. Right? People want that. They don't want to spend, you know, hours kind of reading, you know, scientific stuff. No, a lot of people do in, in our community, of course, but like, we start stepping outside of that. People want that. People want you know, kind of be spoon fed. So the idea is to keep it simple. You know, there's I wanted a take home thing at the end of each chapter. Like there's just something quick and easy you can do at the end of each chapter. If you just start doing these little things, you're going to be much better. You're going to be on the right track. So that was one part of it helping people overcome that. Two was was really little bit we have fitness, we have diet, we have training, we have recovery books. We don't really have anything that talks about a little bit of the, the mental component or you know how do you deal with setbacks and things like that. And that's what this book is, because again, if you want to be successful in any endeavor, there are universal principles. And the book, that's what the book
0: covers. That's really why. It definitely feels so far from what I can see from it, it, it belongs more in the same space as something like obstacle is the way versus your know, your other work anyway. And just a comment about you know the people who know, like reading, you know, citations and and research type stuff, that, that's the community that you're around, like, Mike, that's kind of a self-selecting thing that's in that world. So you have to step outside to realize, wait a minute, not everybody else necessarily is interested in piling through research, right? I leave it to people like Mike to figure that stuff out and then process it in an accessible form so I can take it and then, you know, share it and use it with my clientele.
1: Totally. Most people just want something quick, simple, easy to read, that has some story behind it, that you can now pack, pack some punch, right? And, um, and I even say in the book, like, if I would have tried writing this a year ago, it could, it could have been done, but I really had never had that, like, back up against the wall type thing, where just everything seemingly was going wrong. And so I'm super fortunate, of course, but like this year forced me to really kind of deal with all that kind of like how do you best deal with all that right? hopefully it's it's addressed you know very well in the book because it's just like you do these things you're gonna be on the right track like it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you're starting from you just start small and you just start doing these little things that are at the end of each chapter that's how you get started on the road to success something that
0: i like uh, for me personally i try to encourage uh, you know, other young emerging trainers to come up I like plugging into a number of people in the fitness industry who thankfully a lot of my met along in my travels but who are hard workers you know work ethic was one of the main things it's in your book and people who have you know the same attitude that you described in, in what we've talked about so far here and I find if you're plugged into those examples and those images it can be easier to then be for lack of a better word motivated reminded of these this, this perseverance to continue to work hard at what you're doing. And I think it can be very easy to see um, someone who's been very successful in our space as being, oh, I could never be like that. That's unattainable. But instead, I look at those people and go, okay, well, you just apply the same principles. And they were once right where every other trainer, you once upon a time, were just a trainer starting out, right? I doubt at the very beginning, you could have imagined what you guys would have founded and built with RP
1: exactly the case that's that's the thing um and i'm like i still sort of view myself like that and uh it's just weird how things kind of and and this is a pretty natural human thing right like even as you maybe become more successful like you just kind of start looking up and you kind of start basing off of other things like i don't know that's at least how i am you know like whatever we have we been have we had a little bit of success okay sure i guess but like i sort of see it as like you know, nothing, think of all these huge, gigantic companies that help, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people. I'm just like, that, that, you know, that's what, that's the guiding star right there. Like, we want to help as many people as we can. So it's just, I think it goes back to that mindset that we started the podcast. about wow, it's just like, you just always want to get better. Now that's not to say like, I'm super happy and grateful for where we are and we've helped lots of people. And I, I love it. I think it's great. But at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, you know, that's nothing. Like, I just, I think there's so much more out there. Like, that's just kind of how I view things. And yeah, for anyone out there that's just getting started, I mean, here's the thing, because with social media, you tend to only see little bits and pieces, right? It's not like eight years ago, I was posting on social media about like, oh, hey, I just got like my first personal training client. Like, woo. When I, when Mike and I first started writing uh, online diet training programs for people, maybe we charged, 75 bucks a month for like a diet and training program, right? Like let's call it 2012. What's that run for now? I mean, and, and not even here, but just like anyone, right? Like you're not gonna find that. But again, like that's just how we got started. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta start with get, you know, do a good job, get some testimonials, you know, build up a little social proof. And again, it takes a little bit of success to build more of it. So that's a really weird concept because people like to think that they're gonna jump from zero to a hundred. It's just like, ah, boy, that's just not how it works. And I even have to remind myself of that. Like, yeah, guess what? Okay, so you wrote a book. Now you have to put in years of hard work now with that. So, you know, like hopefully let people know that it's out there, you know? There's usually not something that's just handed to you overnight.
0: No, and, and- this year has been a really cool year for me. And it's the year that, again, I grew the social, my social media following. I just reached 10,000 followers. And I was one of those people that, oh, I never never imagined I could have any sort of presence on social media. Actually, Mike Gizertell had a big hand in that because he kept sharing my stuff on his wall. So he kept giving me major surges of followers. But you know, I've got all these, these younger, newer trainers who see this and I'm hoping they'll learn from it because I've been trying to document the process. But keep in mind that this stuff happened in year number 10, right? Um, I started writing for T-Nation at the end of eight years of training. I was completely unknown in any way, shape, or form in this industry for the first six and a half years of my career working on a gym floor, you know, busy with clientele, good referral base. But beyond that, there's absolutely nothing in terms of broader career capital out in the grander industry. So there's a lot of people plugged in this stuff, hoping in year one and year two to be able to achieve a lot of these same sort of things. So, so guys, what in the work be patient, persevere, Right? Like work, like work for it. I mean, fuck, if you get there quicker, I think that's wonderful, but just don't expect it to happen overnight, like you said.
1: So something that successful people tend to have is a longer-term time horizon. They just sort of understand. Again, it goes back to a little bit. You mentioned this, the about the process. Okay, you can have these outcome goals that you want. And that's okay. Whatever, your your, your big, hairy, audacious goals or whatever. Like that's okay to have this big kind of guiding North Star that help steer the ship so to speak but at the same time you have to have these little smaller goals like what are you going to do today what are you going to do what's the goal what's your goal to get done today get done this week and again you just have to start there and you have to start building there because so many people want to jump from zero to 100 and it's just if i had that would be like the one thing that i would say that really stands out to me the more and more that i look into all this and study successful people and all that it's just like You don't see all that hard work for years. Like no one sees your six and a half years of training people in person. No one sees that Mike and I were training people in New York City. Like we used to get made fun of for the way that we did things. I still remember that. It's never gonna leave me. We used to get made fun of by other trainers for the way we did things. You know, I'm like, we just, we had a plan. We had a long-term plan. We were just like, let's just keep doing this. And at the time, like it was because we wanted to be bodybuilding. Well, like Mike has become a bodybuilder. This is, you know, 2009. Let's call 2010. So 10 years later, he finally just won a bodybuilding show. That's 10 years of busting his ass, and I've seen a large chunk of that. I know how hard he worked, but it's not like he just showed up one day. You know, he's not genetically sort of gifted in terms of bodybuilding. You know, no offense out there, Mike, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. But like, he would—he'd be the first one to say it. It's not. It's just not how it works. I mean, think about how many subway trips I had to take down from, you know, way up Upper East Side down to Midtown Manhattan to train people. No one's ever going to see that stuff. And they might just see something now and they're just like, oh, you know, like people like to do that. Like, oh, you know, he's just lucky or, you know, he's like genetically gifted or whatever. So, no, I mean, he one or two people out there. But even then, right? Like you take the best in the world, take someone like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. It's like, yeah, they had talent, but these guys were probably, they would make me look like I'm lazy, right? And that's what it takes if you want to be the best, you have to have sort of some of that natural innate ability. Then you have to have this tireless work ethic that gets compounded on top of that. That's how you really get to the top, to the elite top of talking.
0: Yeah, you have to be willing to work out literally everyone. Yeah. Well, so real
1: quick, I have another, uh, Story. So uh, I was doing a podcast with uh, Nick Hardwick. He was a former All Pro alignment for the San Diego Chargers. He was a walk on in college, somehow, you know, made it. I don't even know how. It's a crazy story. But I asked him, he was 14 years in the NFL. I asked him, I was like, who is the one person that, like, you just, they were just the ultimate, the ultimate professional. And he said, Drew Brees, right? And everyone knows who Drew Brees is. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But he went on to say, like, this guy never stopped working. He's 5'11, six foot, right? He was not meant to be this Hall of Fame quarterback. He's got like the most passing yards in NFL history. Prepared. Like the world is ending. And he does this every single day, repeatedly for now, like 20 years, I want to say he came in the league in like 2000 or 2001. Like these things are just absolutely remarkable. And just people don't understand that. Um, You know, I've had the, you know, the the ability, right? I'm super grateful to be able to work with some of the best athletes in the world that I've been able to coach. And you just watch their work ethic. Someone like Rich Froney, like, are you kidding me? This guy works out like four or five hours a day. Every single day, people want to be like, oh, I want to be a CrossFit Games champion or whatever. No, you don't. You don't actually want it. You say that you want it, but you don't want to do the stuff that's required. Like, you're not going to be doing the stuff that Rich funding is doing. Like, you're not. You're not going to do that. Like, stop. Don't even say that you want it because you're lying.
0: You guys have another really cool and Uniquely high-profile uh, athlete in your uh, in your in your in your community, and that's Ethan Supley. And I've been a fan of Ethan in movies when he was, you know, that let's just say a big fat guy in movies like God. Uh, he was in the movie Blow early on as Tuna. He was uh, Johnny Depp's friend, or Mole Rats as the guy who couldn't see the, the sailboat in the uh, in that picture. And if anybody gets those references right, so and he's famous for being that guy. And then he sort of turns around a few years. And and what's the other one? Uh, My name is Earl with Jason Lee, I think. So anyway, but now my God, he's completely turned his life around. He's jacked as hell. And, uh, and he's one of your guys, flagship uh, people uh, all over your media. So, you know, have you worked with him closely yourself? So Jared did. So Jared
1: Feather did. Um, He kind of just listened to a video that Mike, had done a TEDx video talk, understanding healthy eating, uh, TEDx, I want to say, Springfield University. And it's just one of those things where you can hear something a hundred times, but one day you just hear it and it just resonates for whatever reason. And that's what happened to him. And he he sort of heard it and he understood it and he stopped blaming food. He sort of took some internal, internal locus of control, if you want to go back to that, you know, one of the things in the book. And he started to change. And, you know, he was already on the right track. He'd already lost some weight, but that was able to take him from Know, sort of those those average results to like the next level, right? It's now you know he's went from five hundred and fifty pounds to you know, two fifty now, like really jacked. So it's really cool to see. But again, you know, even with that, so I chatted with him on a podcast before, and it was you know he's tried every single diet out there, not not even joking. Like every single diet. I mean, he listed them all. He listed like a hundred oh my god Like I didn't even know some of these things were even an actual thing. I thought you were joking. You don't see that. You just see kind of where he's at now. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. How'd you do it? You don't see the like five or 10 years where he just, you know, fucked everything up repeatedly over and over. And hopefully it's okay to swear on here.
0: Absolutely. didn't <laughs> we
1: <laughs> Yeah, you've had on Mike before, so I know it's okay to swear because he's, okay. uh, he's basically a, a, a sailor. So... it's just really funny, man, because people don't see a lot of that stuff. And again, it's presented that way on social media for a reason, right? Like you only see little bits and pieces. And a lot of times, because it actually goes back to internal looks of control. You see something on social media. Now you're kind of giving your power away because you're focused on what they're doing. It's like, well, you can't control what other people are doing. So don't worry about it. Like they are who they are. What am I going to do? If you want to use that for inspiration to get going, great. Now look back into yourself and internally be, okay, well, now what can I do about it? Yes, I'm gonna go back to that system and the processes that you talked about. How come is a long ways away? Well, let's get back to the systems and the outcomes right now because that's what we can do. That's what we control today.
0: I think Ethan in particular is great because you mentioned Rich Froning who seems superhuman and Jared Feather, another one of your team, You know, seemingly superhuman. Gifted mm-hmm. genetics on top of work ethic, right? I mean, you, you could say that about Jared. I, th- I think he, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. In my mind, he seems like he's really good. You got Charlie Young, um, or how many other people, like, even fucking Mike, Mike is terrifying. Mike, I'm eight inches taller than Mike, and we weigh the same thing most of the time. And I'm a fucking large human. So yeah. that's that's not normal. But Ethan is somebody that people could see and go, oh, man, like, I can relate to that. Or he's further gone than what a lot of people even saw themselves and he could turn around. So he's the guy that they can grab onto and go, okay, shit, if he can do that, I can do that, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's why so many people are fascinated by stories like that. Or, you know, someone's like really down in the dumps and they kind of make their way back up. Like people are really inspired by that stuff. And I think it is because it's so easy to relate to that. Cause we've all, you know, we've all had bad stuff happen to us. It's like to see someone sort of pick themselves off the ground and come from nothing to, you know, rise to something that's really cool. Like it just, it just clicks. It just makes a really good, compelling story. So when you see someone that's like, holy crap, I, maybe it goes back to some of that identity that you were talking about because you can see yourself in that person. So let's take some random, like, you know, fitness soccer mom that's just getting into lifting. She's going to see Jared and just be, I don't even know what that is. Like, that's not even human. So you can't see yourself in that. So it's not really you know, you're not going to use that. Like you see someone like Ethan, or maybe you see a mom that's lost like a hundred pounds over a few years and all this, like you see that and you're like, that can be me. So that's what's really cool because, you know, even on the RP social media, you know, we'll get people that tag us all the time that have, you know, used their products and gotten in shape and all that. It's really awesome. But like, there's a pretty diverse group of people. You know, it's like moms coming back from having babies. It's, you know, pro athletes sometimes like If you look hard enough, you're going to find someone that's
0: similar to you. And I think, you know, with that identity thing too, you look at Ethan and I have to believe his identity as to who he is as a person is totally transformed. He is almost certainly someone who is a diehard fitness enthusiast and who is in control of his nutrition versus probably someone who you know, had no relationship with any of those things for a, a long time. Right. So I suspect there's definitely a strong relationship there. Before I let you go, I don't want to steal too much more of your time because I can hear your kids throwing notes in the background. Oh, man, I was wondering if you could hear that. Jeez, I, I think I my sister here. Uh, That's great. You bag it away. Um, one of the questions I like, especially, you know, I have my buddy Mike Dola on from Stronger You or, or anybody else who kind of runs one of these companies. Like, What isn't so easy or glamorous about running a company like RP? You know, you've got almost 50 team members. I think you said 45 in the book. Maybe it's grown. And the stuff that the onlookers outside don't understand. So something that I just had not really had to do a
1: whole lot of before is, you know, the, the team kind of grows and expands a little bit. Um, just, you know, having to kind of manage people a little bit more. And we used to be, uh, you know, pretty hands off. Like, hey, coaches, you just kind of, you know, do what you do and all that. The coaches are pretty good. They're, they're pretty, you know, kind of hands off and because you know, they all do a great job, of course. But, uh, you know, getting into more like the app side and, you know, marketing and all these different things, like, yeah, I kind of do a little bit less of like, you know, you know, have your hands down there, you know, whatever. And it's just like having to manage people a little bit more. And um, that's a that's been a little bit of a challenge Um, in terms of what you just there's always something. There's always something that comes up. Doesn't matter who you are. So there's a chapter in the book. It's all about failure. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what company you are, you're going to fail, you're going to mess up. Right? Sometimes there might be smaller things, sometimes there might be bigger things, but it always happens. And there's always stuff, right? And seemingly you can have the best plans and timelines laid out, but stuff's going to happen because we're human. Things are going to happen. Maybe it's human mistake. Maybe it's COVID-19. Like, who knows, right? This year has been the probably hopefully outlier than our whole lives that we'll ever see. So It's really hard to plan for some of that stuff, but you just kind of have to plan that there's going to be something unexpected that that happens. And Sometimes I think people don't see that or realize that because you might not see it from the outside, but I guarantee it every other company. and, And sometimes, actually, I'll tell you a little quick story. Sometimes for me, talking to other entrepreneurs, I don't want to say it makes me feel good, but it just kind of makes me feel like, okay, it's not just us when I talk to other people and they say like, oh yeah, we've had that happen before. Oh yeah, no, we, yeah, we dealt with that before. And I'm just like, oh, thank God it's not just us because boy, I thought it was just us. And you talk to other people and it, it's uh, comforting. I don't know, that's a weird thing to say, I suppose, but maybe that's the best term here. So it doesn't matter who you are, there's always gonna be stuff that, that happens, it's messed up and the successful people, when they experience failure, they just get back up and they keep going and they'll usually learn something from it. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. Down the road. It's not that they're never going to experience failure because they are, but a lot of unsuccessful people might not ever even get started because they think if they fail, like that's it. And that's just not the case that you just have to be able to roll with it. And going back to, you know, obstacles away that you mentioned, that's a real good, book. I would say, Hey, go read that because that's just what happens. Things happen, and you just see obstacles as opportunities. And boom, it happens. Okay, well, what do we do now? Pivot, get around it, whatever.
0: One of the easiest and most accessible examples of this, and it's something you mentioned earlier, is Michael Jordan. You know, people often usually think that he's the greatest basketball player of all time. People argue about that a little bit. I, tend, I grew up watching him, so you know, <laughs> it's my vote, right? And he was indomitable. But people forget, I believe it's the first six seasons of his career, he got... I, he didn't win a championship and I believe got beaten by the Pistons most of those years in mm-hmm. early rounds of the playoffs. And, and Celtics,
1: yeah.
0: And Celtics. Uh, and the Pistons in particular are legendary for just beating the living crap out of him. But he's also legendary for working tirelessly to be better so he could overcome the Pistons. You now, a big part of it that doesn't always get talked about is the fact that the team needed those extra pieces to help push him over the edge. But he has legendary work ethic to be able to be better so that way he didn't get beaten by these guys and eventually went on to you know win all those championships fucked off for a couple years and tried baseball you know just because he could do that came back it was just as good as ever won three more championships but people also forget you know the very end of his career where he went and played for other teams or the very beginning where he was a dominant individual player but his teams didn't win so it's easy to see all the good stuff and i'm sure with you guys being like in our space a pretty heavyweight Brand, it's easy to gloss over the fact that you guys have probably hit little stumbling blocks along the way. Yeah, that's an understatement. So the uh,
1: going back to that Michael Jordan documentary, did you watch that? The,
0: I did not. I heard a lot about it.
1: Oh man, you have to go watch it. So because I thought I thought you were going to mention this. So he gets shit kicked out of it by the Pistons a couple years in a row, and he even you know before that, what, what year was it? Uh, I'm actually a real big Michael Jordan fan. I, maybe it was like '87. He averaged like 37.1 points a game, just ridiculous season. So he dropped 63 on the Celtics in the playoffs. And they still got beat. Like that's just unheard of. But anyways, he gets the shit beat out of it by the Pistons. So what's he do? He starts really like seriously lifting for the first time. And they document that in the in the series. And I was like, okay, that's that's awesome. Because he knew he's like, I gotta get stronger. He's like, I need all this stuff. And then Happens, he's able to kind of take some of that abuse and it doesn't get him down as much. Lo and behold, now again, that's not the only reason, of course, but then they beat the Pistons, And then it's like, boom, they're over that mental hump. They're over that mental hurdle. you know. And then they go out and win three straight, crush it, whatever. And then, you know, because he's Michael Jordan, he, he's actually, like, he could have been a pretty decent baseball player. Like it's unheard of to go from not having played for like over a decade to, I mean, imagine any other player trying to do that, they would bat like, 50 not not 50 percent no like 0.05 right Whereas like a good batting average in the major leagues is like, you know 250 300 like i want to say he was batting around 250 in, in the minors which is just crazy
0: yeah and people I, I, the other more recent examples tim tebow who's been in the mets organization for years after this sort of quirky little you know season or two in the nfl and i always liked Tim. Tim's actually, you know, he's not a superstar, you know, minor league baseball player, but he's actually done really well for a guy who, you know, had a stint in NFL. Um, There's actually a number of these. One of um, Michael Jordan's more well-known opponents is Danny Ainge. And Danny is actually considered to be, for anyone who knows this, one of the most well-rounded athletes in any sport. He was completely dominant in every single thing he touched. He had a long NBA career. He played for the Toronto Blue Jays in Major League Baseball. So hmm. there's a number of these cool examples. And, you know, you look at Ainge and he's a, he's a gangly looking white guy, not this thoroughbred looking athlete. And yet he's still one of the best athletes in the history of all modern sport. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's wild, man. I mean, some people just they are a little bit more blessed, but even if you are really blessed and you don't have that work ethic, you're probably still not going to end up anywhere good. So it takes, uh, it takes more than any one thing to be successful. That's kind of the key takeaway.
0: And I, and I think ultimately the, all the examples we've used, it does come down to work ethic and, and drive and all these principles that I, I know you've lined out in the book. So I definitely want people to check out your book. Let's let people know where to find you online on social media. Yeah. So, um, boy, it's, today's a good day to
1: talk about it actually. So, um, on Amazon, the, the book just hit uh, number one new release in, uh, in self-help genre, which is really cool, man. Um, it's like, it's really an honor to kind of be up there, you know, cause like some of these people that you're talking about and some of the people that are referencing in the book, I'll be looking through the rankings on Amazon. Um, and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm like, what? I'm, I'm like, I'm next to the, you know, Ryan Holiday or somebody. I was like, this is wild. So a Fit for Success, you can, you can pick it up on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Kindle. So if you have Prime, you can get it pretty quick and be there you know, for the holidays. And for anyone that does get it out, just uh, you know, thanks in advance. I really do appreciate it. Cool. Uh, and your social media? Uh, RP Strength is probably our main one. And then just uh, at nick.shaw.rp is my personal one.
0: Awesome. No, guys, seriously, go follow Nick. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm really grateful that we finally got you on because I know Mike had you know, a few years ago told me if I ever wanted to have you on just to, to talk to him, but uh, this has been a real treat. And for everybody listening, uh, thanks again for continuously showing up to support. Um, you know, if you haven't yet given uh, my podcast a review, I'd love that. That would be super cool. Uh, if you're driving, ah, fuck, maybe try to remember the shit. I don't know. I'll listen to you. <laughs> don't, don't do it while you're driving. I hope that common yeah. sense. And uh, if you're someone who has found this from uh, Nix Media and you're listening to what I'm doing here for the first time, I do plan on having uh, Gabrielle Fundero up in the not terribly distant future. I just had Derek Wilcox on. Mike Gersertel was recently on again. He's been on a bunch of times. If you go back through the old library where I had my friend Dean Guido as a co-host. And um, you know, I've had James Hoffman on. We love your team. I've even had Carolyn McDonald, who is a very good friend of mine, and I know that uh, she's been... Uh, terrorizing your organization behind your <laughs> uh,
1: she, She's a very hard worker. There you go. If you want to talk about work ethic, there you go.
0: That she cares a lot about making sure everybody, um, you know, she cares a lot about doing a really great job. She wants mm-hmm. to, to like her. And that's, if anything, that's, that's a, a um, that's the word I'm looking for, a, a failing almost that she really does care to make sure that people like what she's doing in her effort. Wonderful humility. Okay. Uh, She's probably going to listen to this, so i will probably hear about it. Anyway, brother, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, hang out for a second off air. Meanwhile, um, I've got Nick Winkleman up next. If scheduling all works out, he is scheduled. We had to reschedule once. And uh, I really like Nick, and he'll be a first-time guest. So uh, everyone, take care and thank you again.